looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hi, this is Mark Howe, ex-NHL player, WHA player, Philadelphia Flyer. Just want to uh, say I had a uh, great time on Crazy Train Radio and... Uh, Hope everybody stays well and healthy with the pandemic, and everybody gets a chance to uh, to tune in and enjoy the show. All right, folks. Uh, as promised online through our social media outlets and everything else like that, the gentleman we have on the phone is part of a hockey dynasty, I guess would be the best point, or best way to say it. But he's also a Hall of Famer himself, Mr. Mark Howe. Mark, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. And how are you doing today? No complaints, no complaints. Uh, well, first and foremost, I want to start off with, because uh, I thought it was pretty cool what you guys did with the Flyers alumni. I believe it was last week. 
where you did a whole uh, Zoom conference to the alumni on uh, Zoom and such. Was that fun for you? Uh, yeah, well, it's always fun to uh, uh, revisit with uh, with old teammates, and uh, and I know we we talked about the uh, the nineteen eighty seven uh, Stanley Cup run, which was uh, a highlight for a lot of our guys' careers, and uh, the group of guys that I played with uh, are as, as as good as any group of guys I ever played with. So. Uh, yeah, it's been good. I know uh, Brad Marsh has uh, been head of the alumni. He's been trying to do a lot to uh, to help the not only the alumni and the Flyers organization, but you know, but also the the hockey faithful of the Delaware Valley. And he's trying to uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, help uh, help with everybody that's struggling with the pandemic going on. And uh, so we did that, and then. Uh, uh, they have. Uh, I did a, another Zoom conference with the Warriors program. They have uh, that the alumni uh, started, and um, so um, like I said, we're we're trying to do a few things. But yeah, the the event we did last week was fun. It was. It's always good. I saw Hexy last year, a little bit down in Florida, and uh, running to Dave Pool in the odd time. So uh, and uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen JJ Daniel probably in about six seven years. So yeah, it's nice to see those guys. Well, you're probably in more of a unique position to run into folks along the way because of being a scout, the director of pro scouting for the Detroit Red Wings. So is it often besides doing conferences like that, and I'm having people run by as we uh, go here, uh, do you get to see a lot more guys along the way since you're traveling normally with uh, seeing different games and such? Um, uh, well, I get to see, uh, I guess a num- number of guys, uh, anybody that's working out in the East. I know, um, uh, Dave Brown and Al Hill and Ross Fitzpatrick, uh, that still work with the Flyers organization. I, I cross paths with them quite a bit. They live on the East Coast. I live on the East Coast. So, uh, you tend to stay territorial for the most part for cost effectiveness and everything else, but, uh, so I see those guys, and then uh, I run into the the Sutters every once in a while. Dave pulling, doing his TV, and uh, I know I ran into Hexy down in Florida last year. He's hanging out there, and uh, still still staying involved in hockey, although not with a, a team right now. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I run into Brian Prop. I, I try to do the odd alumni event as well uh, when when time permits, which doesn't. Uh, you're not very often you don't get many days off during the course of the uh scouting season but uh but if i can i try to help out and and do things within the community so you uh and then it's kind of like uh oh it's almost uh uh we we have a band of guys now that are scouts and they're they're kind of like your teammates now so it's uh it's nice to go into the ranks and and uh converse with people and meet up with friends tell us old stories and uh, but you know, like everybody else, it's uh, we've been away from it for a couple months, and it's uh, it's a different thing going on right now. Yeah, it's different for everybody, that's for sure. But since we've hit it, hinted, excuse me, uh, first day new mouth uh, on the scouting side of things, what exactly is your role as the director of pro scouting? Uh, well, I, I have a little less impact now. Uh, we have a new regime with Steve Eisman and Pat Berbeek. Uh, Pat 
more or less oversees all the scouting stuff. Um, I know I uh, I reach out. We uh, we got five guys that, that uh, scout the the pro leagues in North America, and we uh, we stay in touch with each other. And uh, we got uh, one new guy, so he reaches out to me. And uh, but it's it's the bottom line is you got to go out. You got to you got to know your players. So. Uh, I'm in charge of uh, eight NHL teams and, and their minor league affiliates. So uh, there's 50, basically 50 players with each team, give or take. And you're responsible for knowing uh, 400 players, and uh, and that and that's my job. You got to know them inside and out, and then you got to know your team and where those people fit. And, and I also like to have a, an opinion of other teams as well, so of the other NHL teams. So I. I try to take in and watch them uh, as much as I can, and um, but uh, the bottom line is uh, you got to know your team. You know the direction you're going. Uh, Steve Eisman has been very clear on what he's looking for, what their program is, and um, so we're looking for people uh, to fill fill holes and uh, until we get some of our young guys to come up and uh, hopefully be uh, impactful players at the NHL level uh, within a couple of years. Now, when you're looking at these teams, you know, the pro teams, the minor league teams, you know, do you look at the whole kit and caboodle there. Uh, do you feel that you, teams that you played so extensively and as a Hall of Famer, do you have a specialty that you look at when you're looking at these players? No, nah, it's just uh, I've always said it's like reading a book. You you get there and it's not uh, you're not there trying to create anything. You're trying to uh, read that individual. It's uh, you know some of it's their their God given abilities. You know whether they can skate. Some of it's their uh, physical stature, their size, their strength. Um, some of it's uh, how they think the game, how they anticipate the game. Uh, whether they have a goal scoring ability, um, uh, much of it comes down to uh, are they willing to compete? So, I mean, uh, if you're not competing, I don't care how skilled you are, you're not going to have any success. So, they have to be a good competitor. Do they play for the team? I mean, there's so many things that you look for and uh, and you try to identify. And I think after you can't, and I don't, I don't know of anybody who knows a player after just one viewing. So. Uh, you try to see a guy as much as possible, and it gives you the best uh, best opportunity to uh, to know that player and uh, evaluate that player, and and then uh, assess where they would fit into your uh, your organization. So, uh, uh, like I said, I, I don't just you don't don't just focus on one thing. You, you focus on the overall package, but. Uh, you know, I know one thing: a big heart can overtake a lack of ability sometimes, uh, but only to a certain extent. But uh, if you don't have the heart, you don't have the drive and the will. Uh, and if you're not uh, striving to achieve and get better every year, uh, then you're not going to be high on my list. So, uh, or anybody else's for that matter. So. Uh, uh, yeah, and then the one thing is, you know, you're tracking these guys for two, three, four, five years just to begin with, and and when they're young, and you want to see them on an upward climb and improving all the time, and that that's part of what you look for as well. Now, when you turn in these reports every so often, or I don't know what the, the timetable would be, you guys have influence on 
players going up, down, left, right, you know, the different directions. How much uh, does your word, do you think, uh, imply into what, what how they advance? Uh, I don't know. I think uh, uh, your input, like, well, basically, our, as a rule of thumb, and it has been for 25 years that, uh, that I've played, I know when I had a little bit more authority, um, uh, I would ask that when you once scouted the game, I wanted your report done within 48 hours. So I wanted fresh in your mind. I wanted uh, done and complete, and, and we're still under the same rule. So uh, uh, say if I go to watch our farm team play and I go to Grand Rapids, and uh, I know Steve Eisman reads all the reports that everybody uh, puts in. And um, so, I mean, he, he doesn't have to call me. He can just look, and I'll I explain my report, uh, where I feel a player is, what I think he needs to work on uh whether he's in the wrong league whether he should be in the nhl or um it's all spelled out but if there's ever a question then you get a phone call and uh when stevie wants to reach out which he does periodically about uh, players uh you know within your organization also in other organizations or for trade possibilities and uh your job is as a scout is to uh to be ready and have an answer so uh, it's kind of plain and simple. Okay. Well, speaking of phone calls from the front office, tell me if this is true or not, because, you know, everything you see on the Internet, we know is, you know, it is what it is. But apparently when you were inducted into the Hall of Fame, you actually missed a couple of calls from Toronto, and Detroit had to call you and say, hey, pick up the phone. Is that true? Uh, yes, it is true. Uh, I was, uh, I was, I'd been away on vacation and, uh, it was in the summertime and then, um, I had, I think, two days in between going on my next vacation. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, cause I was down in Costa Rica, I was home for a couple of days and, uh, I, I had my boat and things down at the shore. So I wanted to go make sure everything was fine down there and check on things and get back home and, and get ready and uh, I had a trip to uh, to go to Alaska with my dad and my brother where Scott Gomez was doing a charity uh, fundraiser up there and we've been invited up and it was kind of a trip of a lifetime so um, yeah and I, I saw where I had a couple of calls and uh, the phone number uh, uh, showed up as a Toronto area code so I said well I'm not answering it because it's uh, uh, the name didn't show up on my caller ID and they called again I said I'm not answering it so then, uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, uh, I'm driving from the shore back to my home, and uh, I got a call from the Red Wing office, and so I answered, and it was uh, uh, Kenny Holland's uh, uh, secretary at the time. So Kathy was saying, well, you should, uh, you, you need to take the phone call. And, and I said, well, what do they want? And, they, and uh she was saying, well, they wanted to talk to you about an appearance for your dad. And I, and I explained to her, I said, well, my brother handles all that, and I don't want to get in the middle of that, so they need to call Marty. And so <laughs> so then she called back again, and she said, well, they'd really like to talk to you about it. And I said, well, if they want, I said, I'll talk, but I'm just going to defer them to Marty. So if they want to call, they can call. And so uh so actually I got then I got the call from four one six area code again and uh as soon as I answered uh I I recognized the voice. It was uh Jim Gregory and uh, uh 
Pat Quinn were on the phone, and and I knew both those gentlemen, and uh, I knew their voices right away, and uh, and actually, I, because I was so busy and so preoccupied with uh, being focused on what I had to do to make sure I uh, got things set in order so I could do my second vacation, I had no idea what was going on. But as soon as I heard their voices within within one second, I knew what the phone call was, and actually it was very shocking and a wonderful surprise. Now. Obviously, it's a shocking, rewarding. There's a lot of emotions there when you get to that kind of phone call. And you mentioned you were getting ready to go on a trip with your brother and your father as well, Gordy and Marty. Uh, how soon were you allowed to call them and say, hey, guess what, guess what, guys? Or did you have to keep it hush-hush for a certain time period? Uh, well, no, over, over the course of that short conversation uh, of welcoming me to the Hall of Fame, um you know, we they went through you know what was going to transpire over the next uh, uh, period of time and um, uh, things ahead, and then uh, and at the end they said, "Do you have any questions?" I just said, "I got one," and I said, "What?" And they said, "What is it?" And I said, "When can I tell my dad?" And uh, they said, "Well, we'd ask you to keep it quiet uh, until um, uh, you know until it's announced and everything else." I said, "Oh, okay." And, and ironically, uh, my brother Marty uh, had my dad up in Toronto on that day doing a public appearance. And, uh, so I, I restrained, I listened, and uh, I waited and waited. And then, uh, oh, I think about 6 o'clock in the evening, uh, I think the, the news was going to come out or just come out, and my phone rang. And it was my brother, Marty. He said, hey, we heard the good news. I said, how did you hear the news? He said, oh, well, some people were talking here. So the, it got leaked out. It hadn't even been released yet. But uh, So I said, well, I said, well, Dad knows, so that's good. That's what I – I just wanted to make sure I told him first. It was it was really important for me. Yeah, and that, you know, that's more important, especially in the game of hockey, you notice that, that the family tie, you know, being able to share special moments like that. And I know you've been hit with this question many times over the years, but you've played both in the WHA and the NHL with both of them. You know, is that a certain kind of uh, – how do you explain the, how special that is to be able to say, hey, I played with my dad and my brother? Uh, I don't know. I, I played on the same team with my brother every year growing up until – uh, except for two years, uh, I think until I was like 25. Uh, so, and, and that's been done by a lot of people. There's a lot of brothers, I think, that have played together. Uh, but what's really special is to, uh, to, uh, witnessed and been a part of, uh, you know, what, what our father did, uh, at the age of 45, coming out of retirement, winning the MVP of the league and, uh, I could have won it the second year as well, and then uh, going on to play till he was 52. Well, anybody who's played hockey at the pro level, uh, you you you, you kind of laugh to imagine that uh, you know somebody was able to do that uh, at the age of 52 and be as good as he was at the age of 52. So I mean, actually, my my oldest son turned uh, 42 uh, oh about a month ago, and uh when i was talking to him i said well can you imagine this i said you're 42 you know how you feel and, and he's actually he's in phenomenal condition for especially for a 42 year old 
I say, can you imagine that your grandfather still played hockey for 10 more years beyond where you are now? And he said, not a chance. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I said, I, and I felt lucky. I, I, uh, I had a lot of injuries that I had to battle with and fight through and deal with, uh, for, you know, much of my career. But, uh, you know, to play the game of hockey, you have to have a passion for it and you got to love what you're doing. And, uh, you know, that, that passion overtakes, uh, the aches, the pains and everything else. And, uh, but I was able to make it to 40 and grateful that I was. So, uh, but, uh, I know the last couple of years, even in my career, I used to call my dad every once in a while. I said, <laughs> I'd be crawling out of bed or heading to a rehab place or something. I said, how on God's green earth did you ever do this? <laughs> so <laughs> I used to just talk, he used to chuckle and laugh, but, uh, but you had to be there. You had to witness it. And, and, and without a doubt, his, uh, he was a freak of nature, uh, physically. Uh, he had the stamina of, uh, God knows what. I like, I've never seen a human being, uh, that had the physical attributes and things that he had. And, uh, so I, he's one of a kind. I, I mean, there's been some, some guys with some great longevity with, uh, uh, like guys like Chris Chelios and, uh, like Mark Messier and Yarmy Auger and, uh, and those guys are, I mean, they're all physical specimens as well, but, uh, but they still couldn't do what Gordy Howe did at 52. So, uh, uh, and that's, you know, it's a credit to them all, but, uh, uh, dad, like I said, dad, you know, being the MVP of the league, uh, after being retired for two years and, and you can imagine by anybody listening here, if you're 52 and you think you can go out and play the NHL, uh, even if it's not as physical now as it used to be, if you think it could play back then, I'd love to see it. <laughs> and excel at it, too. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, contract or how you're feeling and such, how are you feeling? Because you mentioned that you had your share of injuries. You had a known knee injury before the Olympics, but you also had that famous injury uh, with the goalie net. So... How are you feeling at this stage of the game? Uh, I, I, I'm doing fine considering. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I had one knee surgery. I tore my ACL like halfway through on the other knee. Uh, I mean, yeah, I had that, that injury up in Hartford where I ended up being really, really lucky that I, it didn't, didn't cost me either my life or, uh, being a paraplegic for, uh, or quadriplegic for uh, the rest of my life when I was 26, and um, you know, on the separated shoulders, uh, <laughs> where uh, collarbones popping out of my sternum, I don't know, seven, eight concussions, and 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 numerous other things to to go on top of that, and uh, but and you know, plus the thing that probably impacted me as much as anything is I hurt my back originally when I was 21 years of age. And, and that just stuck with me, and that's part of my life. And uh, so that's uh, the one thing that I do have to do is, uh, and uh, makes my life a lot easier. Is I I try to maintain my weight best I can. I mean, last probably the last 12 years of my career, I played about 185 pounds, 184 to 186, and right now I weigh 188. So I'm only two pounds heavier than what I was 28, 27 years ago. Uh, but it, you know, it comes, you, you have to work at it a little bit. So I know it gets hard when you're scouting. Uh, it eats up so much of your time and, 
to do your job properly and do your reports on time and so it's it's hard to uh to get in extra workouts and different things but the one thing during the pandemic I've been doing is I got back into uh I try to run or jog you know, I call it more of a jog uh, uh at least 5 days a week anywhere from 3 miles up to 7 miles and uh it helps keep my weight down keeps my energy levels up and I'm going to I'm going to be 65 here in about 2 weeks so um it uh, uh, just doing just doing the best I can to uh, help give me the uh, the best opportunity to uh, to stay healthy and uh, enjoy uh, you know the rest of my life best I can. Well, first of all, happy birthday coming up. So. No, thank you. But you know it's great to hear that you're trying to at least maintain what you have and keep things together. That's for sure. But yeah, I wanted to add. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I was going to say, well, that's that's not just for me. That's important for anybody, especially as you get older. I know uh, as my dad, uh, after my mom passed, and uh, we moved my dad into either my house or my brother's homes and then my sister near the end. But um, uh, my younger brother, Murray's a, a radiologist, doctor. And, uh, he got my dad on a cardio rehab program, and, and wow, what an, what an immense difference it made in his life uh well into his 80s so uh he had him working out really hard for about about six months then he came back to me the one summer and we were walking four miles a day and uh i mean we were still still taking him 80 miles offshore fishing and he was 85 years of age and doing wonderful and it's uh so i think uh just for anybody uh i know i have to do it because of my back anybody with a bad back knows that you you can't put on weight or or plays havoc with your body so uh but just for anybody in general it's in, especially as you start to age and uh it's important that you try to keep up with your health the best you can oh i know that for sure with uh backs i had major surgery done in october of last year so oh, okay. I know that, yeah yeah having my back uh, issues but uh so i'm guessing you you mentioned there about your uh, brother murray uh being a doctor so i guess he's the only one with some sense in the family and got a real job huh yeah i don't know so uh, <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i i just i uh anybody who's I, I think anybody that's been able to go out and play hockey and uh like i said you have a passion for it and yeah i mean i i, I always uh i always worked really hard at school i i tried my best uh, i got good grades always made honor rolls uh but i knew deep down in my heart to heart that i i wanted to be a hockey player and i i did everything i could i mean i played every other sport there was basically in school uh but uh i i gave it all up i think by the time i hit 10th grade just because i didn't want to get hurt doing anything else because i wanted to be a hockey player so uh i've been in hockey uh uh since i was born basically started skating at two and uh, I'm going to be 65 in a couple of weeks, so I, I, I feel truly blessed that I've been able to to uh, do something that I have a passion for my whole life. You, you know, when you do what you love, you never really have a day of working a whole time. Like, oh, that's true, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned there about being in high school and focusing on hockey. Did, did you finish school? Because, you know, at 16 or whatever it was, you were able to win an Olympic medal. So that's, you know, to go back to school and say, hey, you know, 
not that you seem like a guy that would brag, but you know, to go back and no, I, hey, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, I was playing junior hockey at the time, and uh, and my goal was to because uh, at the time, back around 19 in the early 70s, 71, 72, uh, things were set in place because there was a junior league in Michigan and. As a 15-year-old, I led the league in scoring, so the only way to get better is to play against people better than yourself and uh, make mistakes and learn not to make those mistakes, and you get better. And uh, So uh, I know with my parents, we talked about Marty and I going up to uh, to play in the Ontario Hockey League, which was uh, one of the top three junior leagues in the world at the time and still is. Uh, so we, uh, my goal was to get up there and play. Well, I ended up having knee surgery in Detroit, um, uh, that summer before. So my brother Marty ended up going up there. I missed three months. So rather than going up to Toronto, I stayed in Detroit. I said, well, maybe I'll do three more months with the team in Detroit. And then the Olympic thing came along. But over that course of time, as far as my schooling, I was trying to graduate in three years. So uh, the school was very helpful. Uh, they let me take extra courses and do extra things. And um, so when it came time to go to Toronto, um, actually, uh, they let me take my government course that you had to have back then. I don't know whether you need it now. I, I took that in 11th grade rather than the 12th grade. So uh, I went up to Toronto, and I only needed two credits to graduate. And uh, being a little, little stubborn and pig-headed, I was at I was at school uh, every day. My brother and I had the same courses for I think half the classes. My brother was a, not a very good student to say the least, and so he he kind of quit going to school. And every day I'd go to school, and I have to give a different excuse for why he wasn't there. And, so we uh but we had a weekend where we played uh, we played Sunday night up in Sudbury. Uh, we played a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh we got back to Toronto, it was about four o'clock in the morning. I got up the next day, I said, I'm too tired, I don't want to go to school today, so I didn't go to school, I needed some rest. Uh I missed a test, so when I went in on Tuesday I said, Look, just give me the test, I'll take it after school and they said, No, we gave you a zero because you could have taken the test and then and uh, the grading up there is a little different, but I had above 90 in every class, and which is, you know, it's like all straight A's. And, uh, and the teacher said, well, and I said, well, that's not fair. And they said, well, you had two other teammates. I said, yeah, but I play half the game. They play five shifts. They weren't tired. I, I was tired. And so, uh, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge, and I didn't budge either. So I ended up quitting school. I said, that's not fair. It's not right. And um, yeah, I, I could see if I was a, a horrible student and didn't work at it, but I, I worked at it. I, I took pride in it. And, uh, so being a stubborn, stupid, uh, 17-year-old kid, I, I quit school. So, um, well, yeah, well, we could see you, you worked out okay. It worked out okay for you, that's for sure. Yeah, but, yeah you, like I said, you do you do things young. I mean, I wish I uh, wish I didn't do it now, but uh, but I did it. And like I said, I knew I wanted to be a hockey player, but uh, like I said, I, I also took I took pride in my schoolwork and uh, uh, just in case. Uh, but uh, and I enjoyed some school too. But uh, but I always knew I wanted to be a hockey player. Yeah, but it was a good life lesson though for your kids. That's for sure. Yeah, it was. Well, everybody and my parents were good. They were supportive, and 
and they just said, look, um, you made the decision and, you know, we'll, we'll go with it. And she said, but, uh, and my mom and dad just said, basically my mom said, look, but you're not just going to sit at home. So I ended up, uh, uh, cause I play with the Toronto Marlboros and we were playing out of Maple Leaf Gardens. So they, uh, they, they made arrangements for me to, uh, to get a job down there. So, uh, I'd get up every day. I'd go down and I'd sweep. Uh, sweet maple leaf gardens or mop maple leaf gardens or do what I had to do down there. So, uh, so my time wasn't idle. So, but, uh, so it ended up, uh, ended up being part of the broom crew at the, the old maple leaf gardens. And I can keep you all day, but I don't want to do that. I want to be respectful of your time. But my last question for you is, I heard another story you can maybe tell me true or false with this. That when you were presenting your first uh, contract to work for a uh, fight in Houston and the WHA, that your dad actually maybe kind of wanted to break your arm and force you to sign. Like he was like, "Son, you got to do this opportunity." Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, yeah, it's that's pretty much true. <laughs> uh, but the, the story goes where they they came in, they wanted to sign Marty and I. Uh, and then Dad got involved. Dad snuck a little sentence in. He said, "Hey, how would you like to have a third how?" Uh, so then uh, I laughed because I said, "Well, then they wanted to make sure they got Gordy and Marty and I became secondary, which I I totally understand." But uh, it, my my concern was I just I didn't feel mentally uh, ready. Maybe I lacked a little bit of confidence. Um, I had a really good year up in Toronto. We went to the Memorial Cup, which is champion of, of uh, amateur hockey uh, in the Canadian leagues, and uh, I won the MVP of the tournament, and uh, we won the trophy. And I mean, you you, you can't do much better than that. And uh, so, and I, I just said to my dad, I said, I just don't feel like I'm ready yet. So, and uh, my dad, his 24th year. And his 25th year, he got paid $100,000 a year to play in Detroit. Uh, I was getting offered $125,000 a year uh, for four years to play in Houston. And uh, so I talked to my dad. I gave my concerns. He said, look, he said, the way you get better is you have to play against people that are better than you. He said, you're, you're, you're one of the best in that league right now. And, uh, and he said, you know, you can go back, but you're going to run the risk of getting hurt. And he said, if you come to the other league, he said, you'll you'll be playing against men. You're going to learn faster. And I said, well, I still don't know if I'm I'm quite ready to handle it. And so he looked. He said, look, you're getting paid more money. You're getting paid 25 grand a year more than I ever made my entire life. He says, so if I have to, I'll break your arm and sign the contract for you. <laughs> and, well, he, he said it justfully, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's how the story yeah. went. So, uh, just a little, uh, but yeah, it turned out good. And actually, uh, we went down there and, uh, yeah, and I, I think I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to try to exceed and do well. And, um, so, uh, but the coach I had down in Houston, uh, Billy Denis was a coach down there and Billy actually handled me and, yeah, and everybody else, but I, I just know, especially with me, he, uh, uh, he made me earn my stripes. Uh, I wasn't on a penalty kill for a while. I didn't get on the power play for a long time. Because <clears throat> we, we had a good group of guys and real good veterans down there. And um, He probably waited till maybe halfway through the year. Then he started giving me 
and he called a little love. He started giving me a little love and giving me opportunities and um, to uh, to expand my role and and improve myself as a player. And uh, and I wouldn't have been able to handle that in, in uh, October. So uh, so you know I've always credited the deal with that where. He he knew me. He he knew uh, what I needed, and uh, he he was the right coach for me at the right time. Well, thank you so much for the time to be able to sit and talk with you, everybody. Legendary Hall of Famer Markel. Hello out there, we're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game. Wow! Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. <laughs> now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in Sail Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from Wee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, this is Steve Largent from the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. 